It's Thursday, October 18th, 2018, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 223, 90's Ass Hanso. Runtime for this episode is 45 minutes. Welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that believes in all legends. My name is Jeremy. I make legends. I'm Tyler. I am a legend. My name is Zach. And somehow no League of Legends jokes were made during this intro. And the last, it was a new era for Last Time on Video Games. Tyler, that was a softball, so I'm not going to take the easy way. I mean, normally you need all the help you can get. No, normally I just feel like making fun (laughs) of you by ignoring it. See... Zach has complete power over which of our bits are funny, because if Zach commits the bit, we're golden. Zach never commits the bit. <laughs> so if Zach ever commits the bit, we have to go full force, because it's a unique opportunity we do not often get afforded to us. I have the power. Speaking Just call me He-Man. Uh, uh, by the power of... Grayskull. No, I was going to say, you're not really Grayskull, you're like... Caffeine. I am Skeletor. <laughs> I can't do this voice for very long, so enjoy it while it lasts, mortals. <laughs> and then our podcast died. That was it. Yep, that's, that's it. We're done. It's been a good run, guys. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to listen past that. I'm just saying, I think this one's mine to edit, and that is all staying in. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, God, my ears. Our listener is going to be in for some pain. So speaking to the full force of things, we played a Star Wars game. Shadows of the Empire. That weird time where George Lucas was like, huh, I wonder if people want more Star Wars. Instead of a movie, let's try this weird multimedia project. Let's make Dot Hack, but in the 90s and Star Wars. And let's 90s up Han Solo as much as we can, because he's kidnapped. I have this this game as a book on tape. I Actually, that doesn't sound bad. Now that I think about it. I was going to like question its existence, but... That wouldn't be bad. I have it on tape and cannot listen to it because I lack a tape deck now. Oh, you mean like literally on tape? Yes. Not not on Audible. On tapes. Wow. Huh. That's weird. Like the collapsible cup. That is lost technology. Exactly. Actually, no, this is fantastic. I was about to pull out my credit card, which I do not have on me right now. But I actually gave my credit card to a cashier a little while ago. And they're like, what the heck is this? Because my Discover card looks like a cassette tape. Like... I've reached that weird point where, like, I finally found people who don't know what cassette tapes are. There aren't many of them yet, but... I think there's a more important thing that we're all missing here from that, Tyler. Betamax? You have a Discover card? Who the hell has a Discover card? They have really good customer service and great, uh, like, perks for being a member. So. This episode brought to you by <laughs> Discover Card. They're pretty good, I guess. If you paid us, we'd write an ad for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Discover Card. Hey, hey, if you paid us, Zach would change his tune. Real quick. <laughs> I would totally not sell out. I'm, depends on the amount. Discover card. It's everywhere, like, you, you know, except where Visa is. It's not American Express. It's not like he's at the very Are bottom. those... <laughs> do people still have American Express? Yeah, Probably not. Yeah, I was going to say, is it even still a company that they fold at some point? I don't know. I just know that when I was a waiter, which was like 10 years ago now, we had a button for Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and Amex. (laughs) I pressed Discover maybe 10 times while I was there. I did not press Amex. (laughs) And for everything else, 
there's this podcast. So, Zach, what have you been playing now that you have the power of a credit card to purchase it? Uh, uh, that did not mean to be a dig against you, but I think you're going to talk about some phone games, and it probably worked. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, he's like, not so, wrong. So how's Fate Go going? <laughs> I say the power of the credit card, that'll get you Nero and... Well, it would if I would pay money for them, but I don't <laughs> want to pay that much, I, especially because the Fate Go doesn't have an uh, easy way to retrieve data if it gets lost for whatever uh, reason I, that's because you're a reasonable human being i'm just saying discover card uh, if you want to sponsor us <laughs> the power of the credit card is very powerful in many video games and we can tell the people all about it i just imagined like a shonen anime where a guy's like losing a fight and he's like what's this my back pocket it's it's glowing and I mean, just that's pull- literally just Yu-Gi-Oh! abridged in kaiba okay good point good point Zach, what have you been playing a lot of dokkan battle a lot of fate go and a lot of adan machi memoria freeze I, what was that last thing? That's the, uh, how to pick up girls in a dungeon. Oh, is, is it, it wrong, wrong to, to pick, pick up girls, girls in a dungeon? Ah, uh, okay. Oh, you, yeah. you only refer to it by that name last time, so. That's because I didn't necessarily realize that it was usually shortened to done much. I'm not sure why, but there's probably a reason because Japanese, but I don't actually yeah, know. Yeah, so it's it probably is. just a play on the Japanese title. Been playing a lot of League of Legends. I had a game yesterday where I was playing Ezreal, not doing too badly in lane, and then my jungle Aurelia, like we were losing, and then. Like, oh, we're winning. We got a Baron. We're winning. Okay. Well, there's five people over here. We only have three people. Let's not fight that. And then my Aurelia killed them all. And I'm like, well, I thought as much. She's broken. New rework. She's broken. No, she's game- just an anime protagonist. It's fine. That- she had the power of the credit card and went right through them. Charge it straight to my bank account. <laughs> uh, that game's still a lot of fun. Um, I'm at this point uh, when we're recording this, I think it's uh, D minus 12, D minus 11. Oh, I'm for excited. Battletech? Yes. Gotcha. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. When this podcast releases, Super Robot Wars will be only a couple days away. Yeah, depending on where it is or when they ship it. So well, which, which giant robot game are you going to be playing more of? Well, the thing is, I might end up playing through Robot Wars first. Like, I'll start Battletech. But the way the campaign is supposed to be structured for Battletech, it's more of an open-ended project a little bit like, as much as I know about it, like XCOM, where it kind of goes as long as you are, because you have to do like side missions because you're playing a mercenary outfit to pay for your mechs and whatnot. You got to pay for pairs and all that kind of fun stuff. And then you get trapped in a horrible feedback loop where like every time you go out on a side mission, you get damaged and then you make just enough money to fix yourself up. And it's like really a bad cycle. You should have gone to school, gotten a college degree, just like not gotten to a mech in the first you, place. You underestimate how much mercenaries get paid in Battletech. Don't look at the don't look at the economy of Battletech through hard or else it <laughs> Is it like D&D adventurers where you should go on one murder hobo adventure and then re- just retire instead of buying a plus one stored? Fossonomics. Yeah. The average commoner earns one silver piece per day. I thought it was a copper piece. I would believe a silver. I think it's a silver piece. It might... I might be wrong. I thought it was a silver piece per day. Well, like like the average like house, a gold is... piece is more than a week's worth of money. Yeah, for the for the average commoner, it might be that after expenses, they usually have a copper piece of disposable income or something like that. I don't know. Um, Which is like, if you think about it, most tankards of ale in Dungeons and Dragons cost more than a copper piece. Well, but for this... a tankard. Okay, okay, like a pint maybe. Not a full tankard. I don't even know how much is in the tankard. It's not important. <laughs> I also uh, booted up Dragon Ball Fighters for the first time in a while because I was kind of feeling like I wanted to do something a little bit different. And Bardock and Broly were out, so I wanted to play them. Play that Bardock? I did. I, I kind of like Bardock. Yeah, Bardock. His um Bardock stuff just works. Bardock, you just like kind of start playing. You beat people. 
his quarter circle forward A is a little weird because it's a it's a charge punch. Oh, like okay. you have to charge it up, so you have to bit good timing on it. I don't like Broly because he's huge and ironically doesn't have super armor on one of his moves. Yeah, and his super like armor isn't as good as 16s. It takes longer to start up. Uh, I don't like Broly, but I like Bardock. Is it legendary Super Saiyan Bardock? He goes Super Saiyan for his level 3 super. Okay. Um, uh, he's like, also got the bionic arm from Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and he's got invincibility in it, which is great. Uh, how does that work? Uh, he's invincible while he charges you and punches you in the face. Okay, no, let, let me go back and say the bionic arm. It's just, how does that work? It's not actually a bionic arm. It's just the same special where he just charges and punches the dude. Gotcha. He just doesn't yell, bionic arm, which is too bad. <laughs> Wait, I, I think Bardock is quite fun. We had a kind of funny little aside at our Monday game because we were bringing somebody in and uh, they were making their character after me, Jeremy, and Kevin did a little bit of spring cleaning. We cleaned off our mat for the first time in like a year. Holy. We, well, we were <laughs> longer than that. For the first time in a Zach year. Um, for the first time since we put it in the basement? <laughs> yeah, it's like, been a while. Like five years ago. <laughs> but we were, uh, we were just waiting for this other person to show up because something came up and so we wanted to go take care of that real quick. And since we weren't actually playing, just making his character. I was like, yeah, whatever. But he decided to play the Lizard Man soldier that everybody had apparently been thinking about playing, but no one actually did. Look, Krogan Fighter slash, what's it called? Klingon Fighter is clearly an archetype everybody's going to want to play. Yeah, I mean, it's on the list. But then they're going to be like, ah, oh, no, I'll play this instead. Yeah, it's always like number five on my list. None of us are playing Boba Fett, so that's weird. Yeah, that's. are you guys doing a Star Wars game? That's uh, Starfinder. Okay. It's, We're playing Pathfinder, Pathfinder in space. In space! <laughs> I'm the only one playing a human, so... Lame. I'm an explorer. Wait, wait, you're not playing the class alien? It's just a class <laughs> called alien? <laughs> uh, I'm playing a technomancer. That's awesome. What, what does that do, exactly? You're good at computers and magic. <laughs> oh, so you're like one of those, like, like one of the uh, Decker hybrid classes yeah, I, from... My, my character class is nerd. He has eight skill points. I also have eight skill points, but that's because my class starts with eight skill points. He has a plus four intelligence. I have plus ten to computers at level one. So nice. we need to hack some planets. I was going to say, the prestige class for that is nerd-ass nerd, yeah. right? So yeah. See, our plan, if we get to it, is because I have a plus ten stealth, is I sneak to the computer we need to get into, and he tells me how to hack it. Oh, man, and then you're just going to, like, 90s hacker movie this nonce? Oh, I like it. That is a plan, at least. We should definitely get around to playing Clandestine at some point. I don't know what that is. It is an asymmetric co-op game where one of you is a 90s hacker and the other is oh, yes, Joanna Dark. Okay, you've, told us, you've told me about yeah. this. You yeah, and I, need about to... it on I didn't know it by name. I do know what game it's on. You about. and I need to finish We Were Here. I know. But you're never online anymore. I know. Doing things like running. Yeah, r running and, like, crippling yourself people no i crippled myself like months ago this is an injury from almost a, a year ago who would want to meet people you know that's a good point okay so at work this guy quit because he was ill and then he quit like, he just couldn't work anymore so he okay he so he's like terminally ill he's got i don't think he's term i don't think he was terminally ill but he was ill enough that he had to leave i didn't know okay that's where this is kind of going so he was saying goodbye to everybody so he leaves and i turn to the person who sits next to me and go what's going on well he's leaving because he's because he's sick. That's why I don't know a whole lot about it. And my immediate reaction was, he worked here? <laughs> I thought he was the copy repair guy. And my supervisor heard me and was like, really? I mean, to be fair, sh should this be surprising to anyone you work with? I really feel like they should all know better. I don't think it was really surprising. It was just one of those things that was like... Disappointing, maybe? I guess. What else have you been playing, Mr. Disappointing? 
I'm trying to finish Super Robot Wars V again. I just went through the uh, the third mission that I hadn't done before, which was go with all the super super robots to deal with the uh, Mazinger stuff instead of go with the Cross Ange characters to deal with the Cross Ange stuff or the Full Metal Panic characters to go deal with the Full Metal Panic stuff. I've also not done those missions. So I, I oh you did that one right? Or I did you, the Cross Ange stuff. Oh well, the one that I went and finally did was all the super robot wars or all the super say, robots went the over Aces there. Show back up or. Uh, they're not there yet. It's actually before the. Uh, it's actually where Koji gets starting to take and be taken over by the Mazinger. Oh, I did do those missions. Ah. I thought I didn't, but I did do those. Missions. Yeah, so I, I did that one and was like, and you get Mazinger Emperor G. I haven't gotten him yet because okay. he just got taken over. Because you get you get Mazinger Emperor G after everybody gets back together, and then the angels show up and they're like, then after you beat them, they're like, yeah, they'll probably not show up again. Um, I, I am real curious what point of Code Geass and what point of Giran Logan the next one are going to be in. I am very <laughs> Is excited. Is City going to be part of the United Nations? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of excited to know how C2's mech is, given its extreme length of time it's on screen. C2? C2. Oh. C2 has a mech at the end of Code Geass R2. Yeah, no, I it's easy to that. It's easy to do, because she gets it, and then it's, like, immediately shot down. Well, yeah, she's like, okay, I'm going to buy you some time. Get, have fun, Lelouch. And then, and then Colin... Get back kick, before dinner. <laughs> Colin curb stomps her. It's pretty great. Look, C2 can just save him a piece of pizza. Oh, throughout that entire series, C2's quest for pizza is great. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I know a lot of people were complaining about all the Pizza Hut placements, like, while it was airing. But I've just, like, binge-watched this series, and I did not care. I loved the fact that she was eating pizza all the time. It was great. How forlorn she is when the world's largest pizza is destroyed. Is Oh, I loved that. <laughs> but anything else? No, not at present. Tyler, what have you been playing? Not a whole lot. I, I played, I ran a half marathon. What um, is wrong with you? I don't did know. Did you win? How much XP's did you get? Not as much as I could have because I missed the bonus quest of beat two hours. I got two hours and six minutes. So How long is a half marathon? 13.1 miles. Oh, driving distance. Okay. Yeah, it is definitely a driving distance. It took me about two hours to do, not in a car type object. I'm trying to think of like what I've actually played. A little bit of Detective Pikachu. I was playing Smash for a while because like it's on the same device. So usually what I'll do is about half a chapter of Detective Pikachu and go, I'm bored, and then play Smash. And then go back to playing Detective Pikachu. So I kind of advanced the plot a little bit. But speaking of be much better detective things, there's a thing laying right over there where I'm pointing, which you can hear with your ears. Dominion? Uh, oh yeah, I guess Dominion's also over there. No, it's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I bought this, actually Alex bought this for me. We were here. We were here. Yeah. When she gave them to you. For a game day like two or three months ago, and then we finally, finally this last Friday got around to playing it. And it's great, guys. Basically, actually, if you like Sherlock, or not Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle's writing about Sherlock Holmes, and you would really like some more Sherlock fan fiction or something, it's a great game. I wonder if there are any Sherlock Holmes on Audible. I would be surprised if there weren't. Yeah, you'd think there'd be a couple collections. Provided they're not abridged, because abridged is not... I don't know <laughs> why you would abridge Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's kind I of I don't know point. why you would bridge anything. They're also pretty condensed anyway, like, they're kind of, like, floral prose, but they're, like... They get to the point pretty quickly. So the way this game works is you have one person who's lead investigator and you basically say, I want to investigate a thing. And then you try to look up where that thing is. And if that's in the book, you read what happens there in the book. It was kind of weird. So I had to leave within like the first hour. So I, I don't think we were really anywhere close to solving the case by the time I left. But like we had more or less like shot this one guy's alibi, but we already talked to this guy. And like you can't go back and talk to him and like accuse him of not having an alibi because like there's only the one thing you could do at his place of residence. Like you already know everything he's going to say. 
Uh, so the way it works is like you get awarded points for how many questions about the case you can answer at the end of it. You don't know what the questions are until you declare that you're done investigating. And then you get deemed points for how many more places you went to than Sherlock Holmes did while solving the case. So it's not based on a Sherlock Holmes book. No, no, it's it's all entirely novel stuff. You play the Baker Street Irregulars, which are the group. novel meaning new, not oh, yes, yes, new new additions to the Sherlock Holmes mythos. Eventually, Cthulhu shows up. It's great. Look, Neil um, Kaiman did write that good story. Isn't Sherlock Holmes like canon in Marvel or something? He's uh, canon in DC. Yeah, he's a uh, the, 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 the Creative Commons. Character. No, I, that's not the right thing, though. It's when something is old enough. Public domain. Thank you, yes. He's a public domain character now. Dinosaur Comics does all sorts of stuff with him all the time now. So, where was I going with that? That's pretty much that. Um, I haven't actually played a whole lot of video games. Video games. I've, I've been playing a lot more FTL again recently. You know, you mentioning the whole Sherlock Holmes thing just brought back the uh, theme song for that Sherlock Holmes in, in the, the 22nd, 22nd century. century. The worst show they ever came up with. I did. I don't know what about this. Sherlock Holmes is cryogenically frozen in case they need him later, and in the future, crime is so bad they bring him back to life and With build him a robot Watson. Yeah, Cyber Watson. This sounds like a great premise. Uh, imagine Batman Beyond if none of the good stuff was in it, and also it's Sherlock Holmes instead of a guy in a bat suit. Yes. Well, there is this one episode. Are you going to elaborate, or are you just making up the fact that there was a good episode? Anything else, Tyler? Not a whole lot in terms of video games. I'm sure if I looked at my Steam history or something, I could probably find something, but not not much. I've not had a lot of time for video games. How about you, Jeremy? What have you been up to? Absolutely nothing, which is what you are about to become. What? <laughs> what? That's a line for Spaceballs. Oh, okay. I am your father's cousin's sister's former roommate. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing, which is what you are about to become. <laughs> that makes me wonder if he actually set up for it. He doesn't seem like the sort of character who would, like, intentionally do that Dark because of... <laughs> Yeah, well, because he's an idiot, right? That's, like, his thing. So, so I was trying to see if there was, like, anything else that I've been up to. So, what what has been preventing you from getting up to things? Well, one, I'm playing a lot of next week's assignment whenever I have free time. Okay. that's a game I'm very interested in. Also, I watched all of Code Geass. Oh, sweet. What did you think? It's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Like I, like I said, me and Jeremy had an entire conversation about Code Geass and Gundam Seed on our way down here. Uh, so, uh, that's, like, an hour and a half of conversation. I can tell you the other joke I really, really want you to beep. Okay. So you know the knight of round who is actually Lelouch's mother? Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name, but Neither yeah. Visually, she just reads as like 10 or 12 to me. Like, clearly <laughs> that's proven wrong later. So when it's revealed that she is Lelouch's mom, I'm like, oh, if we do have a podcast, we have to call it a lolly. She's supposed to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I very like proud it. of that joke. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good and not wrong. Okay, so when he said the night of the round, I thought he meant, like, actually Lelouch's mother before she, like, died and spirited into the <laughs> little girl. I forgot about that. When we first showed up, I uh, realized the main reason why Code Geass is better than Gundam Seed. Ninja Maid. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, Ninja Maid is alright. I can't even remember her name, though, so... Sayako. Oh, yeah, that's it. I yeah. remember it only because while watching one episode, they just said her name, and I was like, who is that? So I Googled it. <laughs> and because of that, her name sticks in my mind. I actually do really love the episode where Lelouch is having her like run interference across campus for him, and everyone's like, when did Lelouch get so good at the athletics? Well, there's also the episode where she ends up getting Lelouch like 900 dates. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I don't know why she did that, but it was great. The side episodes of Code Geass of School Life are pretty funny. Well, that's like, uh, I, I can't remember if I've mentioned Akashic Re Records of Bastard Magic Instructor. 
But that's a show that, like, every, like, the first, like, three episodes are just like, oh, this is going to be a terrible cheesecake anime. And then it gets, like, super serious all of a sudden. And then it's back to cheesecake. And it just, like, from then on, just every other episode. The opposite of Trigun? Yeah, it's just like it get like it goes from like super silly cheesecake to like everyone's dying and getting eviscerated. It's it's a weird dichotomy. High School DxD has very a couple of very serious plot lines, and then it's like okay, we finished up with that cheesecake. <laughs> it's boob time, guys. <laughs> Pretty much. What the hell were we even talking about? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, like. We were bad talking anime. about Code Geass, and then oh, we got the side episodes that. of Code Geass. So speaking right. of side episodes, the assignment this week. Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, based on the Shadows of the Empire media project that George Lucas did in the 90s, because he's like, I don't know if anyone wants to see another Star Wars movie, a question that I think only he had. So he decided to not produce a new movie, but instead produce a book and some tie-in comics and video game and a whole bunch of stuff to see if people still cared about Star Wars. Which yes, I think, yes, they did. <laughs> I think before that came out, Heir to the Empire had released, and there was yeah. a bunch of other expanded universe fiction floating around. There were tie-in novels, but I think the feeling was that was just a hardcore audience thing. I don't know why he had this question, let's put it that way. <laughs> I guess it was like 20 years later. It didn't, was. Didn't Rogue Squadron come out before this game? Rogue Squadron, the video the N64 game? N64 game? No. This is a launch title. Oh, shit. For N64. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Which actually makes it kind of impressive in retrospect. They had to cut like four levels or so to make launch. So anyway, you play 90s Han Solo. They decided for the video game they didn't want to deal with any of the main characters. And there's this side mercenary character in the story named Dash Rendar, who just exists to be Han Solo while Han Solo is frozen in carbonite. Except he's slightly beefier and has a lot more pouches. Yeah, he's 90s ass Han Solo. He's made <laughs> out of patches and guns. His, his ship, the Outrider, and his, his droid 90s assistant. 90s Millennium Falcon. His... And 90s-ish Chewie. Not nearly as good as regular it, Lebo, I think, is the droid's name. It is. 90s Han Solo. Yep. Yep. No, it was uh, like Rob Liefeld got a hold of Han Solo and was like, man, this guy's torso isn't nearly distorted enough. And to be fair, his proportions are fairly normal. He's got a beefy chest, but it's not crazy. Yeah, it he just, just clearly lifts. Yeah, it's yeah. just that no one in Star Wars is physically fit. So, <laughs> like, he's not Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar big. He just looks at next to... Mark Hamill. That's because everyone spends too much time just sitting around in hyperspace, just like, you know, snacking on space Cheetos. Well, at least in the third episode, it was because Mark Hamill was recovering from being in a crash, car crash. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's why he's really skinny in Return of the Jedi, is because he had been in a particularly nasty car crash. I didn't even notice. I've watched those movies so many times, and I've never even noticed. Some people didn't think he was going to be able to return for it. Crash was that bad. It almost turned him into the Joker. So, Stratos of the Empire begins with kind of a weird level. It is mostly a 3D shooter action type game, but it has some variation in levels. There are a couple of ship levels. There is a racing level. And it starts out with a recreation of the Battle of Hoth. Apparently, Dash Render got down on Hoth, was like, yo, what's up? And like, the Empire's here. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> I guess I'd better use a land speeder. Instead of just, you know, offloading my cargo and leaving, or offloading my cargo and using my ship to blast AT-ATs. Marking one of many, many times, the first of many, many times, the Battle of Hoth was fought in video games. <laughs> I actually feel like at this point, the vast majority of the people 
who were piloting ships at the Battle of Hoth were not actually rebel soldiers stationed at Hoth. They were just random brandos <laughs> that showed up the day of. <laughs> oh, crap. This is like the worst day possible. It makes you wonder why those corridors weren't really, really crowded with all these people trying to find the way to open the doors to the hangar bay all their ships were stored in. <laughs> the, the only regulars are Wedge Luke and McDead Guy. That's Luke's gunner, whose name I can't remember. I want to say it's Biggs, but he dies. No, Biggs in, dies in the uh, first Death movie. Star. Oh, Dash, maybe? No, it's not Dash. Dash is actually a fairly common Star Wars name, though, which is, like, weird because it sounds super 90s, right? I used to know, but I don't remember his name. Anyway, you start in the Battle of Hoth. There are probe droids. They're really easy to kill. It's kind of a flyer level. It's got really small boundaries, although for the time it was very, very impressive. Again, N64 launch title. Dak, by the way. Was Dak, Co- that's his name. Dak Ralter. <laughs> not Dash. I mean, Dak. <laughs> Then there are ATSTs. They have more hits than probe droids and are better shots. And finally, there are ATATs, which you can shoot down, but it takes years. It's much easier to attach your tow cable and just fly around them. Which is clearly what they want you to do, because it's really satisfying in every video game ever to have done this. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun to do. And you feel very proud of yourself when you knock one of them down, even though it's not that hard. Even after we've been doing it for, like, what, 25 years now, it's still really satisfying. The battle comes in four waves, which with harder enemies. There's this cool thing where if you get shot down, it shows you crashing, and you can crash into enemies to damage them. And it is the most satisfying thing to finish ATSTs off by managing to crash into them after you die, which is all very fun. It isn't very objective-based. You just have to kill the enemies, which means there's not a lot of tension. You have little allies running around, but there's no need to save them. The shield generator's off in the distance, but the enemies can't get to it until you win. So it's not very complex, but it is a pretty cool little starting segment. It is definitely attention-grabbing. And then it dumps you inside of Hoth base. Yeah, and then the game goes downhill from there. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Most of the levels, like I said, are these 3D shooter sections. They're okay. The level design's not very good. We'll get into that in a minute. You control dash, you can jump and crouch and shoot. There's a quite a bit of auto-aim going on. It you, frankly is necessary. You can also manually aim, but because it's an N64 game with one stick, and they hadn't figured out C-button strafing, you're locked in position while you're aiming. aiming. Which means so, you're probably going to get blasted. Yeah, it so, feels a lot more like Doom in that respect. So in a lot of fights are either you running around hoping the auto-aim works, or are you hiding behind a crate, like, nudging yourself out to get shots on a stormtrooper? Hoping the auto-aim works. I guess we should say, Zach and I played the Steam version of this. I actually played both versions. I have a cart of this. Oh, God. And I just played the N64 version. Because... We're going to have to decide which one we rank at the end of this, because they go in different spots. Yeah. And Tyler, I... that was the correct choice. I would say the N64 version is, like, just to be generous to it. Okay. So... The controls in the Steam version are the most garbage controls to any video game yes, I have ever played. So if you only take one thing away from listening to this episode is don't yeah. buy the same remake. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to play this game, just emulate it. I will say that. We should probably go leave reviews on Steam to that effect if they're There's, not already there. I think it was labeled like mostly positive or something like that on Steam, but I can't remember. No, it was it was some game that I'm remembering the story now. I thought it was this game. It was some game, I think it was Fantasy Star 2 that we don't like, and we looked at the one Steam review for it. Oh, uh, <laughs> And it, and it's like highly positive. No, no, it was like oh yeah, no, exactly that's right. our thoughts. Yeah, I remember this now because we were looking through when I was choosing this game to play. That yeah. was it. Uh, anyway, the Steam controls it doesn't support button remapping very well. It does it a little bit. It doesn't have controller support, but you can't even like kind of hack it in because it will read the controller as a joypad or a joystick rather. 
the sensitivity for the mouse is all over the place. You can aim like in the N64 version, but if you nudge the mouse, suddenly you're pointing at the ceiling or the floor, no matter how careful you try to be, while stormtroopers are shooting you. And on top of that, you're trying to do precision platforming with the bonkers sensitivity, you're going to have a really hard time staying on some of the real narrow ledges you got to stand on. I'm just saying, Dash Rendar once ran into Sam Fisher, and never again is he letting that happen. But worst of all, you can move around with WASD like you'd expect, but if you move the mouse, you look with it, and you move with it... At the same time. It's just awful. You, I walked into so many pits for no reason. That's just... Because I just jerked my mouse a little bit. That's just absolutely bonkers. You don't you don't use the mouse to control movement and where you're looking. I mean, we had our, we already had that figured out in Doom, which came out, a, what was it, like a decade before this? Not, well, almost, actually. On the positive, there are a couple of different types of enemies. There are stormtroopers. They make these nice, satisfying noises while you're shooting them, which lets you know that they got hit, and they Wilhelm scream if they're near a ledge and fall off when they die. Which is really satisfying. It's always fun whenever games include stuff like that, although I think it's a little bit too ubiquitous at this point, because, man, that Wilhelm clan is large. There are also probe droids, which can fly and hover. Are remarkably weak after the uh, five hits it took from the airspeeder. You can kill them with your blaster in a couple blasts. That's actually because the... Snowspeeder had just like basically they were just laser pointers like that's all you're really firing out of those later on there are sewer monsters you have to fight which does seem very star wars one of the bosses is a sewer kraken <laughs> well on hoth i found a wampa yeah i love that and a cool was... thing about the wampas is you can let them go and they will fight the stormtroopers mine got stuck behind a couple of blocks and i just stood there and shot him because i wanted the health packs he was guarding and that's a cool little bit of risk reward in the early levels there are some like wampa caves basically they're not actually caves they're like research stations where the rebels have captured some wampas for study and the wampas are guarding things like health and ammunition so you can choose to go after them for the rewards or ignore them which is a cool bit of choice which is good because the levels are otherwise pretty boring they're pretty straight shots You've got some different sorts of terrain. The first one is the hot base, so it's real snowy. There's a garbage train later, which has all this garbage around it, and it's this more platformy level where you're jumping from car to car. That seems to be a common trend, because I know of a similar level in another game that takes a lot of uh, ideas from that, I think. Is another Star Wars game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like trash levels are actually fairly common in Star Wars games. Probably because of that Death Star scene. Oh, yeah, with the with the trash pit. There's a, like, canyon level that's really kind of Mesa-y. Is that the Swoop Bike Race? No, that's the Boba Fett level. Okay. There is a Swoop Bike Race, too. Yeah, I remember that. That's one nice thing about, like, if you haven't gotten it, one nice thing about this game, despite the kind of, like, blasé level design, is at least they do try to mix it up a lot. Yeah, the thing is, most of the levels are just straight shots to go through. Occasionally, there'll be little side sections. One of the cool things is they have these little challenge points that you can collect. That that are kind of, like, hidden... If you get them all, you get some cool bonus stuff, and they award you extra lives at the end of each mission based on how many you got. Your lives always fill up to a minimum, depending on your difficulty, too. So you're never in the situation where you want to die immediately. So you can get a game over to get the lives back? Yeah. At this point, like, I was just thinking about this, because this was a launch title for for the N64, right? And we're talking about the levels being really straight shots and all that. It's entirely possible that because of how early this is in the 3D, it basically turns it into a kind of a 2d side scroller type of level where it's a straight shot to where you're supposed to be going because they haven't really figured out exactly how they want to do 3d yet the problem is since this is a launch title you're always going to compare it to mario 64 which is the big launch title of the time and its levels are purposely very exploratory not straight at all and at the same time doom already exists and that's 
not a straightforward game either. So if you're going to compare it to more of a shooter type game, that's where you're going to go. That's fair. While there's a bit of enemy variety, they don't have nearly the variety as in Doom, where you fight each enemy differently. They basically act the same, except for the bosses. The bosses had some interesting change of pace. There are ATSDs you have to fight on foot that you have to aim up at. There's Boba Fett and his ship. There's IG-88, who you fight a trash duel with. I actually kind of like that fight, although it did kind of become a fight of attrition. Yeah. It's kind of cool because there's an arena for you to fight in with cover and stuff and different vantage points. Trash fight. Yeah. And then there's a sewer kraken and a giant robot. I mean, like, all of these are really cool set pieces, but functionally, they all feel very similar, at least in my opinion. Yeah, they're all kind of just try not to get shot, shoot. And because of the, like, limited ability for you to aim, there's not a lot of interesting movement mechanics or boss weaknesses. All of the bosses, they go to lengths to, like, put you in cool arenas to fight. Boba Fett's the level where you get the jetpack, which we'll talk about in a minute. So it's a very vertical level. And then he uses his jetpack and has his ship. Like I said, there's the garbage arena for IG-88. The sewer kraken has, like, rising and lowering water levels that you have to deal with. There are also multiple weapons in this game, but none of them are very interesting. There are homing missiles. There's a big gun that shoots explosion lasers. (laughs) There's a flamethrower, but again, not nearly as interesting as, say, Doom. Wow. Also, your default weapon is called a laser and not a blaster, which... Yeah. Like, that's not really a big deal, no, but come on, but, but that flavor. would never happen today. That would never happen. There, would, no. there are no lasers in Star Wars. They are blasters. Not entirely true. There oh, are no. laser cannons. Uh, are they, are I, they not blaster cannons? If I remember right, blaster cannons are lighter versions of laser cannons. Huh. There are turbo lasers. As opposed to regular lasers, (laughs) there are turbo lasers. About halfway through the game, you get a sweet jetpack. It's one of the most interesting things about this game because it adds a verticality to it, and they add a lot of kind of platforming challenges with it. It has limited fuel that recharges when you land on the ground, so you can't just fly around everywhere. You have to consider its use. Yeah, running out of uh, jetpack juice over a bottomless pit tends to end badly. Can you imagine Han Solo having a jetpack for, like... Should we get me off this crazy thing? (laughs) As far as uh, I can tell from other Star Wars media, jetpacks don't tend to end well for the characters using them. Like, the only one I can think of is Boba Fett. And that has a 100% failure rate. That is true, right into Sarlaccs. 100% Sarlacc guarantee. The level do a good job of breaking up. Like I said, there are three kind of shooter levels. There's the Hoth one, and then there are two where you're in your ship, the Outrider. One is very much... One's basically just a turret section. The other one is basically a Death Star run just without a Death Star. And that is the story that closes the game. There's also a swoop bike race about halfway through. It's very F-Zero-X. You have to defeat all the other swoop bike people who are trying to get to Luke Skywalker and murder him. And if I remember right, it controls like garbage. Eh, it's not great. It's okay. I really like that level. I find it fun. It's very easy, though. So it means six of the sort of base run around and shoot levels and four kind of different levels for accents, which means you're never doing more than two of the standard levels in a row. Although the difficulty on them is a little off, the first jetpack level is very long and kind of difficult, whereas the next shooter level is this very easy short space mission. And then the last two are long and get kind of tedious if you do them back to back. Like I said, this game has a lot of really cool set pieces, but like none of them string together super well. And you never really have mission objectives. It's always just get to the end. Yeah, which yeah. I well, mean, the I fact mean, that it's kind of linear helps. I don't with think that. we actually see objectives as they are until Goldeneye. Yeah, in that sense. But again, Mario sixty four stars aren't exactly objectives, but they have a kind of similar feel. And you have a cryptic hint to as to what to do in a level. As opposed to this, is just like go to the end of the level. 
I mean, like, even Doom has, like, specific things you had to do in some of the levels. Maybe I'm thinking of Doom 2. Doom is just get yeah, to the Doom end. Doom is pretty much get to the end. Okay. Doom is more maze-like, though, so, like, there's more choice in it. And a lot of, like, the side things that you could do in Doom, like, explore for hidden rooms and whatnot, that's a player choice. That's not a thing that the actual game requires. Yep. It does at least set the missions up with, like, story beats so you know why you're doing it. It starts out with you're on Hoth, oh no, the Empire, stop them, then escape, then continue to escape in space. Defeat then, the Black Sun. Then you're on a trash train because you want to track down IG-88 because he knows where Boba Fett is and Boba Fett has Han Solo. Then at the next level, you're trying to get Boba Fett to rescue Han Solo. And then the next level, you're trying to save Luke. And then you get the second Death Star plans. Apparently, Dash Rendar is a Bothan. <laughs> well, the he many, just killed a lot of Bothans while getting it. Many Bothans <laughs> could have died screen. getting the information to him. Then you go through the sewers to go to a palace to go to a space Death Star. To fight Zizor. Yes. And the Black, the Black Suns. They are the Space Mafia. Yep. Zizor wants to deplace Darth Vader as the Emperor's sidekick. The game has a lot of things I like about it. I like the challenge points. It plays all right, but it's nothing special. It's very much like a standard let's build on this for making 3D action games. I don't know. The Steam port's pretty special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the Look, wrong way. We already said it. The Steam port's horrendous. Don't spend the $5 on it. Yeah, so, and, and from my perspective, I thought this was, like, a study in really blasé level design. And, like, the controls aren't great. They're not terrible. Be, and, yeah, they're not terrible on the N64, but because they're so stiff, they can't do a lot with the enemy design. There aren't a lot of choices in combat. Yeah, the, the variety in this game is largely cosmetic, despite the fact that they toss in, like, really completely different levels. It all feels kind of the same the entire time to me. And I think that's just because a lot of the walk around and shoot levels just occupy so much of my brain space. That said, I would describe it as a perfectly functional game. Yeah, it is functional, which makes it better than some of the games at the bottom of our list. <laughs> no, like really, it's like it's absolutely fine is what I will say about it. But like considering a lot of the games we played, that's actually pretty high praise. I mean, it's not <laughs> in sp it's not even in spitting distance of Knights of the Old Republic, but it's not it's better than the terrible platformers on the Super Nintendo, though, I think. The N64 version of the yeah. Steam port? Yeah. I, did we say this on the mics? We're going to be ranking the yeah. N64 version when we rank it. And speaking of those three Star Wars games, we have a list on our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the top is Chrono Trigger, a game that's mildly Star Wars inspired. I mean, it has like space opera elements. At the bottom is City Connection, a game that needs more Star Wars in it. And Now in, that is pod racing, anyway. <laughs> and in the middle is Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> oh, Tyler, you, you make me really wish that we could get our hands on Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer, because that game was actually really good. I don't know that I would say really good. It was surprisingly good, considering, like, it wasn't bad. What's Star Warsy about Tecmo Bowl? Nothing. There That's were, why I didn't make a joke. There are two sides. Like I said, I think it's better than any of the Star Wars games we've played so far, barring Old Republic. I think we'll start at Super Star Wars, though. Do you guys agree? Do you think it's better than that one? That's the one we have highest. Yeah, the original Super Star Wars, yeah. the one that starts on Tatooine and has a bunch of, like, platforming on sand crawlers. Uh, yeah, no, I think this game is better than that. I do, too. And to establish a ceiling, we all think it's worse than Knights of the Old Republic, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, not even a question. So let's see. What's a comparable game? I was going to say Doom, except that I probably... Doom's, Doom Doom's above yeah. KOTOR, so... Yeah, I was going to say Doom's way above KOTOR. Probably Doom 2's above KOTOR as well. I don't think so, but I didn't look. I mean, I think I'm looking lower. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Doom 2 is better. Because so. we think this game is serviceable, right? So yeah. I'm looking for something in a different genre that I... That is also serviceable. Yeah. Like Hydro Thunder? I don't think it's as good as Hydro Thunder. I think Hydro I, I was looking better. a lot lower than that. Yeah, well, no, like, Hydro Thunder is a pretty, like, solid okay. racer. 
okay, so long time middle of the list, Mega Man 2. That's a very, the Game Boy. Okay. That's a very serviceable game, right? Do we think it's better or worse than Mega Man 2? Huh. I mean, it's certainly... Hard to say for me because I didn't actually play the N64 version, which is the one we're ranking. Um, so I don't want to try and be uncharitable, but I also don't want to be too charitable to the game because... But you would tell the Steam version worse than Mega Man 2, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's certainly trying a lot more, and especially as a launch title for the N64, like, it did a lot of things right. I don't know. I, I would probably have to give it to Shadows of the Empire. There we go. That's not Dark Forces at all. I think we are going to split, because while I do like a lot of what this game is doing, Mega Man 2, I actually found fun. Like, I was compelled to beat Mega Man 2. Star of the Empire is a pretty short game, so I could probably have beaten that too, if not for the awful controls of the one I was mostly playing. But I think it's still got that Mega Man design to it, and those good bosses. That's so. true, and, and pretty solid musics. So I think it's a little better, although I do think we're in the right neighborhood. So, Zach, what is your opinion? I really don't like Mega Man, but... It's a pretty solid port, though. It, it is a solid port, but that's what it is. It's a port. I think I'd have to go with Shadows of the Empire. Okay. Just for novelty? Well, because it's working off new hardware. Yeah, a lot of what it was trying with its level design was a little bland, but again, new hardware. A lot of new launch titles are going to be on the lower tier of most games. I'm like, on the other hand, I'm like... Doing. Like I'm already, like I'm comparing this this entire time to Mario 64, which was also a launch title, and man... Well, I d it's not going to Mario 64. Yeah, I'm just like, like, can you imagine having the choice between those two games? Yes, I I'm got like, them at the same time. Yeah. And my dad was like, play the Star Wars one, Jeremy. <laughs> Look into your hearts. You know it to be true. Uh, not too much above Mega Man 2 is Contra 3 The Alien Wars. It's also, I would say, pretty serviceable. Contra 3 is pretty good. It's pretty okay. Yeah, it's pretty okay, but I think I like it more than this, if just because the level design's a lot better. Yeah. I think I'd have to agree, actually. And they were doing some really fun things with the Super Nintendo graphics. Or I guess what you could do with graphics on the Super Nintendo. Co-op. Um, yeah, also co-op. Also sweet alien aesthetic. Okay, so like, this is going to be a very short ranking because we have one final question. Is Shadows of the Empire better or worse than Kirby's Dream Course? Ooh. Yes. Ooh. You used that joke last week, Zach. Still relevant. I like this comparison, though, because they're like... Just true. Kirby's Dream different. Course is a lot more inventive. That is true. On the other hand, well, I was going to say there's like not much game there, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of game in either of these. Certainly so. the level design's better in Dream Course. Yeah, they actually, well, it's like puzzle design almost rather than level design even. But Dream Course is really boring. I mean, this game's not exactly the most exciting thing to have ever happened. There are Wampas. More exciting than Dream Course. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Dream Course is a puzzle game. Although I did almost fall asleep while playing Dream Course once. It was really late, Look, to be Kirby fair. Kirby has that effect on me, so I get it. <laughs> I think I would have to give it to Star Wars. And Zach's going to give it to Star Wars as well. So, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire will go a little bit north of the midway mark at number 112, above Kirby's Dream Course and below Contra 3 The Alien Wars. That's about right. I'm a little sad that I didn't feel more strongly about this game either way. Like, it was, like, it was okay. That's kind of how most of the games in the middle of the list are. I would actually say if you're at, like, have any interest in game design, look at this one, because it's got some real high marks. The way it, like, varies up challenge is very interesting. The problem is that, like, the core game mechanics of it just aren't much. Yeah. They're not bad. They're just not as exciting as a Doom or a Mario or even a Sonic. But still pretty serviceable. All right, so, since I got Star Wars out of my system for a while, you know, I've been really been jonesing for Episode Nine. I don't know that I am. Uh, a newer hope. Uh. You haven't seen episode eight yet. Nope. It's pretty okay. I like it more the more I think about it. Yeah, exa that's exactly how I feel about that movie. What are we going to play next time, Jeremy? 
Well, I have wanted to play this game for quite a while. It's a little newer than a lot of the ones we play, but it's still over 15 years old. So Call of Duty 4? It's not a, that's not 15 years old. Oh, good. That's 11 years old. Prince of Persia Sands of Time? That means I'm not that old. Not, also not 15 years, I don't think. This year. Close. This year? Okay. Uh, no, it's an early Capcom PlayStation 2 game that took the world by storm. Marvel's Capcom 2? That's not PlayStation 2. It's PlayStation. Really? Yes. Yep. I thought it was PlayStation 2. Nope. Nope. It works very poorly on PlayStation 2 because it's a CD game and not a DVD game. Monster Rancher? Not a Capcom game. Also did not take the world by storm. <laughs> We're going to play Devil May Cry. Dante and his his favorite poet brother, Virgil. That's um, not, it's not until three. Wait, so, Virgil doesn't show up until? Virgil so, shows up in one. Yeah, he's totally there. So next time on Last Time, Jeremy's wrong. This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games, copyright 2018. All games, movies, and other media mentioned in this podcast are copyright their respective owners. If you wish to listen to more episodes, visit us at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can see the entire archive. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can email us at ltovg at lasttimeonvideogames.com. This episode is over. Try listening to another one? Is this a pen? <laughs> it's a uh, digital pen for Alex's tablet. Why aren't there three buttons on it? Why would there need to be three? But there are three buttons. One, two, three. Oh. Well, I don't know. They do different things. One of them's like erase in the like standard app that it's meant to be used for. Okay. Why are we talking about this on the mic, Zach? <laughs> I don't know. I'm this sorry. This is not riveting <laughs> podcast conversation for the uh... listeners. <laughs> This is going to be fun to edit, and by that I mean there are long sections where you're just going to have to go, I like, delete. <laughs> like the entire conversation about the pen?